Hey, quick note about this week's episode. Philip's track in particular has some audio glitches in it that we couldn't clean up. It sounds exactly the way it sounded to us when we were talking, so it is intelligible. And so we decided to put it out as is. But apologies for uh, some of the audio quality issues on this episode. Okay, welcome to uh, this week's episode of Escape from Plan A. We'll do this a second time. Sorry, first recording got a little screwed up. But um, this is your host, Teen, and I've got Philip with me. What's going on, Philip? How you guys doing? Pretty good. And Adam, what's going on, man? What's up? Okay, so to rehash, uh, we'll just get into it, yeah? Um, yep, let's do it. I mm-hmm. wanted to talk about... Uh, you know, this sort of like ongoing, well, I wanted to talk, wade back into this issue of like, you know, our elite colleges, the Ivy Leagues, Stanford, you know, all the other elite schools that sort of surround that. I don't know, Johns Hopkins, Duke, whatever. Um, there seems to be more, not less anxiety and urgency about getting into them for younger high school aged kids and for their parents despite everyone saying all the time, saying the right thing that, you know, it shouldn't really matter where you go to college as long as you find a good fit and you care, that is not borne out by the reality, which is that everyone's doing everything they can to try to get into these things. And there was this article today in the New York Times called Fencing Can Be Six-Figure Expensive, But It Wins in College Admissions. And I thought it was an interesting article about how there is this sort of small uh, sort of niche uh high school club fencing scene going on um that can cost loads of money because of all the equipment and training and travel including international travel um but the parents will do it because it gives them a huge leg up when it comes to admission into the few schools that have an NCAA fencing team i think there's only 44 of them Right, but um, all the Ivy Leagues do, and it's all the Ivy Leagues. Yeah, exactly. All the all the all the mm-hmm. schools that quote matter have a fencing team, and it it uh, sort of brought and it brought to mind just a lot of the you know a lot of this stuff. I've got two high school age nephews, and uh, you know we we have a lot of friends that are parents of kids, and they're thinking about this stuff. And I thought the three of us might have a conversation about this because we've had a range of experiences going to both sort of normie schools, state schools, whatever, you know, CUNY type schools. Uh, And we also have experience, well, at least, actually, I'd say uh, me and Adam have experience because we're Americans as to the dichotomy between elite and plebe schools, I'd say. Um, Trying to be intentionally disparaging there, but um, you know what I mean. And Philip, who's Canadian, and I've heard it's a little bit different in Canadian land where <laughs> there isn't quite that distinction. I don't know if McGill is the Harvard of Canada or not, but, you know, and, and I'm wondering, is there is there the same type of of um, anxiety around the di- this, this increasing split dichotomy between the haves and the have-nots of higher education, you know, so... I don't know. That's that's mm-hmm. what I thought. Maybe we could have a conversation about today. And um, Philip, I think you were the one to f- sort of kick it off last time before this, uh, you know, re- recording the first time. Um, any thoughts? 
Yeah, I was asking, yeah, I mean, you. Uh, I actually think you answered my question, my question a little bit later. But like, you know, my, my first question was like, what is like, why do you think this arc came out? Do you think it's because of this, um, you know, hearing coming up around this affirmative action case on, on October thirty first, right? Because it's mentioned explicitly in the article. Um, and you know, I want to hear, want to hear what you want to say. Again, but I also you had called out the fact, the fact that like, um, uh, what were you, what were you saying about these? sports oh like they I, well you mentioned that, that numbers around these sports these niche sports being very successful successful were dug up as part of the uh, uh discovery or whatever around that case um, um and so maybe that was what this is one of those articles that were instigated because you know people were just looking through kind of like public disclo- publicly disclosed stuff that comes from um uh high profile cases but anyways curious just to think why you think this, this article was written yeah, I, I think it ha- I think it had I think the primary context is uh possibly um the the Operation Varsity Blues, the whole bribery scandal and and all that. I think it's still very much a part of the right. dis- the the discourse around this stuff. Um because I don't know, something about that really yeah, I think there's a lot to that story that has rattled I think uh I would say the upper middle class families that are sort of knocking on the door of elite society but not safely in through the doors yet Mm -hmm. do you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so i think that there's i think that this speaks to the context to me really is an increasing amount of class anxiety for well-established professionals like you're talking about yeah in this piece the kids you know what they're saying is basically these are families that are paying sometimes upwards of six figures a year Definitely well into upper fives just to get their ki- kids a little bit of or maybe a lot of uh, a leg up in the admissions process. Oh, a huge leg up. Huge leg up. I think the core, the core of the article is this um, one paragraph that says, I think, uh, sorry, I had it before. But it basically said, like, if you're I a top it. scoring student, yeah, if you're a top scoring student, um, you have about, like, I think a 16% chance of getting into Harvard. Like if you meet, if you're a top academic scorer, yeah. So if you if you if you're a top academic scorer, you have a 16 percent acceptance rate. But if you're uh, a recruited athlete, you have 83 percent. 83, 83 percent. So so they still have to do really well in school, obviously. Sure, of course. Um, but you know, with great inflation and stuff, and yeah. and you know whatever, uh, and you know, SAT's not. I probably I'd probably get like an uh, like a like a a 1050 right now if I took it but um you know it's not the hardest test in the world right I I think the going from 16 to 83 it's clear like getting recruited for one of these sports is a big deal and like I said this is an elite sport and only a certain kind of parent is going to be able to afford it and they were talking about right. kids whose parents were uh pharmaceutical and in banking we're talking like executive positions yeah so these are not poor students but on the other hand it seems like these are also sort of like professional managerial class type families. They're not family dynasty type people. They're not, no, I have my no. name, you know, yeah. they're, they're like, I still need to play the meritocratic game to get in and therefore I have to take every advantage that I can get. And, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people like this. And, and if, you re- mm-hmm. if you remember the, I don't know if you guys watched the documentary about uh, Operation Varsity City Blues um, or, or followed the story that, you know, with all the celebrities and stuff. But these were people who were like not quite rich enough to enough to give, you know, an email to the Harvard Endowment or whatever to like 
guarantee a spot for their their kid but they had money to to get this guy you know um to uh uh bribe you know some some fake SAT, fake SAT test, bribe some folks and so on, right? It about 250K, right? It, it was of people who are not quite super wealthy, but wealthy enough to still play the game. But the thing about Varsity Blues, it was, it was, it was illegal, it was bribery, right? This, this um, you know, niche, niche sport entryway is legal, legal. Oh, yes, <laughs> right? so, yes money, it is but legal. It's, it's Other legal. than the fact that there was a um, scandal about... Uh, at Harvard. For fencing, yeah, at Harvard, right? right? But but coach. if you you know didn't go through go through that route, yeah. you're your way in. But you just just you know put a lot of time into fencing, and you fencing, and you did well fencing. Yeah, bumped your chances up to the eighty percent rather than the teens, right? Which is a huge, huge, huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I think these parents are essentially doing um, you know what the parents in you know what the b- parents that bribed people were doing, except that they're actually doing it. So instead of like. You know, paying right. the fencing coach to recruit right. a kid who doesn't fence, they're being like, okay, we'll just do the fencing then. And right. then they, <laughs> they have to fly the kid to fucking Romania uh, so he can take part in an international competition in Bucharest. Right. And that puts them at near the top of that year's, you know, recruiting class of fencers, of which they're probably like 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and that gives them a leg up because he's probably scoring 1550 on the SAT. Yeah. And the, the costs are, the costs are like, when well, like example the game was like 40k 40k a year so maybe for a few years and like your sophomore to your senior year in high school maybe mm-hmm. 120 120k half the cost of the full full-on bribery but still inaccessible accessible right? this is still an elite like an elite th- thing you didn't have money to put, put your kids through this path and the kid has to be pretty decent at the sport i think too yeah yeah i mean and i'm not surprised as you mentioned teen that it's um these i think you know the professional managerial class because you know they're still pretty precarious and even though you would think that with all this messaging about how look we can't just concentrate on the ivy leagues and the um, sort of tier one schools around them you know a lot of lip services paid to you know saying that we need to do community college or uh, you know public education you know that that is a very people still are anxious so like the more anxious people are they're going to want to do as you know get into the uh, most elite area uh, schools so that their children have the best chance of making the next leap right and so like i'm not i'm not surprised that there's even more focus on this as like the especially i think you know with the way the economy is or has been you know in the last 5 or 10 years so it it, it just ma- it makes sense um because the the grip that these schools have on on our uh, national consciousness is, I don't know, is it, it is like ironclad. So I don't think it's ever really going to be broken. Like a lot of people will say that they don't care, but people care. People want their kids to go to these schools because. Yeah, but why? You know that that like what 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 do they think? Like does does it actually get you uh, a a better outcome? You know, when it comes to professional life, well, to go to Harvard. For, remember, let's talk about undergrad, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think, I don't think it does. Honestly, I think for some people it might, but I think it, overall, I don't think so. Yeah. So, so Eliza, Chris, and I, we did an episode about Operation Varsity Blues, and we kind of for, for verified accounts, and we can and we can link it in the notes, but. We litigate. We litigate this why, like, what's the motivation for the parents? And I recall one thing we said was like, 
it's a bit of a projection of what maybe they couldn't do. Like it's about, about you know, they couldn't make it into Ivy League or, or get in, get into um, you know school. And so for them, it's like them, it's like playing that see out through their kids. Their kids that could be an aspect of it. But I think there is, there is that saying Adam around like this is a precarity of being a PMC, but not knowing if your dumbass kid's gonna, you know. <laughs> Managed to to keep to keep <laughs> right. keep the six or keep keeping that six figures figure salary range, or they're gonna fuck up or whatever. And so, so finding a way, finding a way. in the case of these varsity blue folks, like they they cheated their way in because their kids were maybe too dumb to get in. Um, but for these other parents, they you know for this, it's a, they're concerned about their kids' success and 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 you know uh, financial well being. If you want to call it, want to call it that. That might be understandable. Like that's that's at least more uh, sympath- something you can be sympathetic towards, right? Versus yeah, yeah, pot- potentially because maybe you know you're not quite wealthy enough to be able to have your kids basically do nothing, yeah. right? Like when you're when you're gone as the parent, right? You might leave them a house or two, but it's not really enough for them to like basically be a trust fund kid forever, right? Yeah, if you actually care, um, if you actually care about it, just about like bragging rights rights with your friends or glory whatever it might be for yourself right so right there's there's probably a mix of that in there depending on the person on the person i still think it's a very emotionally driven thing i mean like recently uh my wife has like sort of like a distant somewhat distant relative um move to come to new york to attend columbia mm-hmm. as a freshman and uh, I know Columbia is not an elite school anymore, but when it when it was the number two school and not the number twenty eighth school or whatever <laughs> happened in Columbia, um, you heard about that, right? I, I, I don't know. Me? Philip, no, as a, a non American, I, I didn't know it was still like top ten. So I don't know. No, I okay. So that. Columbia basically fell from they they achieved like the highest ever U.S. News and World Report ranking for Columbia ever, which was number two, okay. right behind Princeton. So. At that time, it was like the, as of earlier this year, it was the second most prestigious university, right? College, like one of in, the hardest, like the second hardest to get into, or something. Is that I don't know about? It? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a, almost impossible to get into at this point. Right. Um, and uh, and they were number two, and then they there was this math professor at Columbia who was like, "This doesn't make any sense." He was like looking at <laughs> the data, and he was like, "A lot of this is bullshit." And he's been, he was putting a blog out saying, "There's no way that." some of the data that Columbia had reported is correct. And we're not talking about stuff that like you would really care about that much when it came to, you know, like status. It was like, what percentage of faculty cont- uh, have achieved a terminal degree? And instead of 100%, it was something like 92%. Okay. You know, and by and terminal was- the degree, they mean like a PhD. Yeah. And then the other was like, how many, what percentage of classes have like less than 50 okay, kids okay. in it? Right. Yeah. And they have like sort yeah. of like fudged the data on that, like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then so they, uh, there was enough, I guess, like publicity or, or, or buzz around this guy's blog that eventually um, Columbia had to sort of resubmit its data and then admit that they'd had made errors. And then it dropped from like number one all the way down to like near the bottom of the top twenty-five. Jeez. Well, <laughs> right. Did that did that professor get remanded for that or like lose his tenure or his tenure or job or something? Well, you can't lose your tenure. You can't tenure. lose the tenure. That's the whole point of tenure. All right, I guess yeah. Right. yeah, but um, you know, no, he his point, and I thought he made a solid point, is that look, if if you're going by a ranking system where if you just correct a little bit of this data, you drop from number two to number twenty-five or whatever it is. These rankings are bullshit to begin with. Mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. Columbia is the same school that it was today, today that it was when the math three is years ago, yeah. two years ago. When it's the same thing. So what do you mean we dropped? Like what happened to the school? Nothing happened to the school. It's the same school. But more importantly, so, like the the like the the name has been prestige. I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm an ignorant Canadian who doesn't know what tenure is, is, but also like what you know the, the rank about this like ranking scandal or whatever that happened to Columbia. But, but I think most people most people still see it as a Ivy League school, and so so. They don't care to get in. Yeah, I think that's, you know, he's kind of saying, like, fuck rankings, we're Columbia. We don't need a ranking, you know? And I think there is a, maybe there is this push for, like, elite schools to just not participate in such plebeian activities as being ranked. Mm -hmm. I could see that happening. But that raises a point. Okay, let's say that the elite schools of America decide, you know what, we're not playing this U.S. News and World Report. We don't need to be ranked. I'm Stanford. I'm Duke. Right. I'm Harvard, I'm Columbia, I'm Princeton, I'm Dartmouth, whatever. <laughs> I don't need to be ranked. Only like insecure schools, <laughs> you know, that, that don't have the weight of tradition and status Dartmouth need be to be ranked. And so, and I think that that's actually kind of why you're seeing that it's the top end of schools that are starting to say we don't need an SAT. Right, mm, mm. we don't really need like a strong like we don't really need standardized testing. In fact, we don't even really care that much about grades because we know they're inflated anyway. We're looking for the overall all around package, whatever that may mean. Like we're going to move toward a subjective, you know, a right. subjective holistic, admission. Holistic, holistic. yeah, yeah hol- that, that's right. That's the and, buzzword. And I think that you know you dig a little bit under the hood, like at Harvard, and you start seeing stuff like, um, okay, so. I think when they looked at the white students that went to Harvard, forty-three percent of the this is this is un, was uncovered during discovery. Forty-three yeah. percent uh, of the white applicants were what they call special admits. Yeah, legacies, so, legacies, sports, and recruited children, athletes, children of Harvard faculty and staff members, yeah. or on the quote unquote dean's interest list dean's interest list which generally that, includes big donors <laughs> that's half of that's half of the white kids that go to these schools right yeah fully half of the like 43 percent. so basically like a little less than one out of every two white kids on campus got there because they were on the dean's special right. interest list which means get them out of like the general pool of you know academic struggle that you know all the regular kids have to come in and come in through the you know through the side entrance and if you're gonna do it like you know you got to do it our way you can't like you know you can't be like uh some of these parents that were just straight up bribing you know you've got to if you're mm-hmm. gonna bribe you got to come to come with more than a few hundred thousand dollars my friend this this is harvard after all i just want to add a i just want to extra uh kind of factor in here that's important not in this article they didn't mention it but i remember in another article just about a year back or back i think it was like forbes or someone and someone someone had dug some numbers around these on these legacy uh and look and looked at this the kind of you know academic like merit scores of these students and found that i think it was about half like maybe in the 40 something percents of these legacy students would not have made it made it in if it was based on their actual yeah. academic, academic not surprising, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, one half of the white student, students made legacies, and then and then about a you know quarter of these white students should yeah, just not fucking not be right? there, right? <laughs> yeah, not surprising at all. It's interesting to see them actually dig up numbers around it. Yeah, which well, and, that, and that's why they want to go to the holistic thing. No, no grades have to be submitted, no tests, no nothing, so they can hide that. I mean, 
I think that's one right. of the that's one of the motivations behind why they want to do this stuff. Yeah, which which raises the question of like you know then why are people still cl- is it is it just pure because my experience tells me, and I remember uh, you know one of the things when when um, this relative of Shan's came was like I you know we had to help him move in. He doesn't have any family in New York, you know, so like. We took him to Columbia on his first day, as if like we were his parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's kind of cute. That's kind of cute. It was kind of it was kind of cool nice. because like Being you nice. actually drive yeah. onto the Columbia campus, which you can never do yeah. under normal circumstances. But I drive right onto the central campus, right on the one sixteenth um, throughway, wow, and I come okay. on, and they got like reams of students just cheering and banging pots and shit. I'm like. Holy shit! The welcome committee—they really had the welcome committee come come out, and they had these professional movers. They're like, "Up, oh, open up the trunk." They got out all of his shit, and they had like professional oh, movers wow. move it to his dorm, <laughs> and then they had like events all day, and then you know they yeah. g- they gave us a fucking buffet. But the thing that <laughs> stuck out was as we we're helping him move into his dorm, there were all these other parents there, you know, mm-hmm. and they were bringing their kids to. Yeah dropping them off at Columbia and I was sitting in the lounge like you know they were folding his clothes or I was just hanging out in the student lounge uh in his dorm and there were like other families there and then the you know the parents would be like hey which one's yours you know I was like oh I'm just the <laughs> local relative dude I'm just uncle, uncle. Dude. I was like but it's very you know I could sense the excitement you know it wasn't rational it's not like a well the reason see we chose Columbia is because it had no it has nothing to do with that it was just like Columbia was a signal that their kid, they raised their kid well, they succeeded in, uh, in their job as parents. Yep. And this was a sort of capstone event to drop them off at this like prestigious university in the middle of New York City. And that, I think, is really the drive. It's very emotional. It's not, I don't think it comes down to like hard, you know, pros and cons lists for people. They're like, look. You're saying that the parents are doing all this stuff, sometimes cheating, going through like crazy, crazy, you know, backdoor, like niche approaches like this, like the sporting stuff, because they're there for that first day when their kid, you know, gets cheered onto campus, not for like, like four years later when they come out, like leave and get, get their first job. Yeah, I actually think that that's less of a real issue than college itself as a sort of capstone event for a job well done as a parent, because that mm. is the sort of like last... Mm. Techni- I mean, look, the, the thing that they're in denial about is that their kids are not going to be financially independent after four years of undergrad. They're going to they're gonna need to do more, yeah. especially because they're going to live in a city that they can't afford. And they're going to go they're going to be gravitating towards industries that don't pay college grads very well anyway. So, look, trust me, this is not the last you've heard of your kids. They are going to be asking for more money down the road and you will have Definitely. to probably help them out with grad school and paying rent. Uh, and maybe giving them a little bit of a you know uh, uh, a down payment for their first home and all the other shit, uh, the the, right. the untold hundreds of thousands of dollars that remain to be paid um, to get your kid properly set up to continue the uh, professional middle class upper professional managerial class life that their parents enjoyed. Um, but it does feel like a capstone event, I would say. It's a huge. You're saying it's more about the yeah yeah the milestone is more about the the like checking a checkbox on that like long list of um you know rights of passage for your kid even rights of passage passage maybe for the for the and not for the kid right right send their kid off to college too yeah I think so yeah I I so I think a lot of the stuff you're saying like that long list of shit they still gotta pay, pay for afterwards I think that's mostly true. I also see that this pattern, um, um, you know, of, of parents, parents 
at a very age with her kids, trying trying to get them into STEM, and specifically trying to get them into like computer science and programming. Yeah, like giving them like games and activities and whatever YouTube shows or whatever, right? Like right, like stuff the kids do at at, at ages as young as two, right? That are supposed to prepare them for a life for a life as for engineer. I see that too. So I think that some of it actually is about, is about coming out, being able to get a get a high paying salary. I'll kind of mythologize these days as a software engineer at a fan company or whatever, right? Sure. I, I yeah. think I think yeah, some, some of, of that, that approach the word where they think that it can be sufficient if they can make four hundred k being a machine learning engineer at Facebook when they come. Out. Right. I think there is some there is some of that too, though. I don't think it's about the milestones. I think there's I think there's still a self sufficient money money factor there as well. I I agree. I mean, I think that's more at the back of the. I I don't know I for most parents that I know, when you really when it really comes down to it, I think parents are are actually kind of chill about what their kids actually want to do and study. I don't know how long that's going to last. Like I don't once they get to college, I don't know if the parents start worrying about post college employment or whatever. So I I don't I have not personally seen parents like pushing their kids to be going to STEM or whatever. What I've seen actually is that the kids are like way more self-motivated and okay, here's the other thing. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but have you, mm. have you, have, do you remember like, or maybe you see this now, but like kids are incredibly class conscious and status conscious. They're way more class and status conscious. I think than the parents are who at least have learned to hide it. Or actively try to move away from becoming too status obsessed, but kids um, are you know they're they're brutal about making fun of the poor kid, and they're shameless in how much they like sort of admire the rich kids. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. What what, what, what have you seen? Like what's an anecdote that has like to think that? Um, my an anecdote is like. My nephews tell me about uh, their friends will comment on their house. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Like they'll make that they'll make a comment about their house. Like, wow, you guys have a really nice house. That kind of thing. The parents don't say that kind of stuff. You know, the parents don't come in. I mean, they might compliment you on a nice, ha- like having a pretty house, or oh, I really like your house. But they don't say stuff like, wow, you know, you're you're. Parents must be rich. They have a really nice house. So, so um, when you said class, when you said class and, conscious, I thought you meant they're more aware of this, but also also kind of like critical of being overly elitist to some extent. No, no I'm, I'm saying kids, kids are nakedly elitist. <laughs> I'm saying that, kids yeah. are nakedly, openly, brazenly class okay, okay. aware of status, and they care about status. Um, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like I, I'm not sure that it's accurate to say that all this pressure is coming from the parents. Mm. I think kids put a lot of pressure on themselves. I think that probably what you'll see is more like parents are probably just like, look, whatever the ki- makes my kid happy is is I'm happy with. And the kids are actually like, no, but I'm not going to be happy unless I go to this college. And um, How about making this much money? Yes. But then see, if you add it all up and then you start saying like, look, kids aren't dumb. They realize that this is a rigged game. This is not just about – I mean – I think we're in a transition phase where it is still meritocratic to a large extent, but at the especially at the very high end, you're starting to see like okay, well, there's a special, there's a special way in, 
if you if you are of if you have like certain you know if you got the class characteristics for like the side entrance right and so i guess what i'm saying is that the the inherent sort of like class and status i wouldn't say class cuz kids aren't class conscious but they are status conscious the status yeah, that conscious might be, that might be a better word to describe it yeah it's not class. political right? right it's just like who in who in yeah. my school has like the best whose parents got a fancy car mm-hmm. whose parents are you know famous or near right. famous whose parents live in the big ass house with the gate in front you're saying the the the, the 1980s and, and 90s era of life, of life high school hierarchies he's and like being the popular kid is a fiercer competition than ever before ever before maybe Maybe, may, well, I don't know if it's fiercer, but what I am saying is that <clears throat> academics is, I don't know if it ever quite was, but it definitely now, I think, is moving away from academic academic meritocracy, where, yeah, you, you could have rich parents, but if the kid's like a degenerate, you know, he's he's not going anywhere. And you could right. you could be a poor student, but if you're, you know, like the classic Asian American success story. Your parents are immigrants, and they do the immigrant struggle, and the kids, you know, st- I literally had friends like this. You know, the the kids literally study in the restaurant that their parents opened, yeah, and then get into a top flight school, and then go on to become a surgeon. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I'm sure that still goes on, but I would say that there is an increasing amount of reservation at the top for the elite kids that they're given a safety net of prestige and academic prestige that they're they will not fail and yeah and that's always been to a certain extent but yeah certainly it's that exists yeah i think we're not only does it exist but i think we're moving more and more towards that that Yeah. yeah the elite schools are becoming more and more reserved for the children of the wealthy and the ones who get in on meritocracy they are they are relegated to such an extreme sort of meritocratic combat Hmm. that it almost seems random at this point as to who gets in based on merit and who doesn't you know it could probably be like just tiny little shades of difference and preferences that the admissions people have and the reason you got rejected is probably so trivial that it would, it would drive you crazy to know why you didn't get in. Oh, this is like if you're, you know, you know, at the cutoff, the person above you in the cutoff. What the difference? The difference was their CV and their CV. That kind of yeah. That they could have just been like I don't know. There was something oh, about their essay. They had one more year in, of, in Boy Scouts. They had one more year in, in debate club or whatever, whatever. Like whatever it is. Yeah, yeah something whatever. Weird, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know. So, my I guess I'm just saying that. Um, there is definite, and I think this is the frustration that a lot of uh, Asian families have, is that you know America just doesn't seem that meritocratic anymore. Um, well, especially especially with this looming lawsuit and the the whole couple around this, it, it absolutely doesn't seem like that. At least not for Asians, specifically for Asians. I, th- I think so, yeah. and, and then and then at the, at even at the local public school level. You know, there there seems to be um, sort of an, an antagonism uh, towards the sort of traditional assumption of a meritocracy 
um, that 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 sort of I think Asian immigrant families assumed was the case here in America. Work hard, get ahead. Work hard, get ahead. That was the formula. No one questioned it until now, and I think that that has caught a lot of Asian people, Asian families, in kind of a bind. You know, like try try explaining to an Asian high school kid um, that their prospects of going to the school that they really want to go to uh, probably aren't that great because they're Asian. Not an easy conversation to have, but it's true. You know, so I don't know. Uh, uh, the thing that confused what you just said is that it kind of seems not not the thing you just said now, but like back before about the parents being kind of chill of this is kind of contradictory. Started this conversation around how the parents are actually actually like, um, you know, you know, trying to get get their kids into college and care a lot. Like, what what are you like? Are you just saying like they're more chill compared to their kids, and the kids are the ones who are obsessed with getting into college and are going to come up against yeah, against disappointment? What do, what do you mean by that? I think what I'm trying to say is that for the most part, I think the idea that you have parents that are putting the pressure on the kids that um, that they have to go to a top-flight college. And if it weren't for the parents putting this unrealistic pressure on them that the kids wouldn't really care is wrong. Oh, okay. And it's the kids that care. And the parents just want the kid to be happy. But the kid's like, I'm not going to be happy unless I go to this top school. I'm not saying this is the case all around. I definitely know Asian parents who put unrealistic amounts of pressure on their kids to get into... Uh, you know, the top magnet program in the, in, you know, like Stuyvesant or sure. whatever. And we're upset if they only got into like Bronx science or something, some similar school. I mean, there are, there are ridiculous parents out there um, who don't quite understand the system well enough. And, you know, unless they recognize the name, it's crap, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, that, no, that exists. Sure. But I'm, but what I've seen, and, and this is probably more like second generation or, 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 or more, you know, more Americanized families, Asian families, is that, you know, their overall attitude is like, look, I just want my kid to be happy, right? That's the buzzword now. The, the, the touchstone for everything is I want my kid to be happy. And, but the kid is finding out on their own that this is a extremely desirable and status thing, high status thing to go to a high status school. And it's kind of lame to go to a no status school because they'll just get lost in the crowd. And so they want to keep distinguishing themselves and they keep wanting to be special. And the parents I think would be happy if the kids didn't put this pressure on themselves, but they do. And so they still want their kid to go to the best college that they can or whatever. Right. You, they want to get the kid to get what they want, right? Because that would make them happy. Yes, you know. So yeah, from just I'm just I'm thinking of my myself and yeah, my own. That's where I was going to go. Let's talk about our own experiences with this. And I've come to re, you know I've come to realize that there is that sort of um, sort of feedback loop that you're alluding to, teen. In that, for myself, right? My my dad went to Dartmouth. Uh, I went to Dartmouth, started there, um, and my my brother, grad, my younger brother, graduated from there. But you didn't stay there; you left. No, I I didn't stay there. No, but my, my brother did graduate from from Dartmouth. And I think that 
And then I definitely you, put just, more just pressure for the audience. On, but where did you end up going after? I, I end up going to Pace, which um, Pace the, is like uh, a Pleasantville campus. It's a it's a SUNY school. Yeah. SUNY school. So you went from like elite sort of yeah. Preppy, I mean, I went, Ivy, I went League to an to Ivy League school, and I was going to make it yeah to a, to a state school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, there was definitely I, I put a I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself, and part of it was because I thought this was what I wanted back when I was, you know, in high school. And also there was definitely an element of this so I thought my my dad wanted. And I think there definitely was part of his desire for me to go because he had loved mm-hmm. his time there. Um and he would be very proud to sort of have a tradition, right? Um but I think he uh, yeah, I mean and and I'm <laughs> I'm older than obviously the kids from this article and 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 our our nephews and nieces, but um, it was sort of the beginning of the uh, of this movement of parents I think wanting their kids to be happy, right? More than you've got to do this because uh, you, we got to keep up with the Joneses or it's what's expected of us. Not the only motivation. Uh, and I think it it uh, ultimately I think it was a mistake. For me to go to Dartmouth, mm. um, I think I definitely would have been happier um, going to some, you know, maybe starting at Pace or maybe going to like a SUNY Binghamton or a, whatever a good SUNY would be. I don't know which ones are considered good these days. Um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, so I understand what you're saying, Teen, in that I think a lot of a lot of this pressure is the students or the kids putting them putting it on themselves. Um, and I think they sort of pick up some of the ambient energy around this and, and sort of, as you said, uh, kids do tend to be very status conscious. Maybe they don't know that everyone, if they're rich or not rich or poor or things like that, but there definitely is a a sense of the, of what is high status and what's low status. And unless you're a real oddball, you're going to want to be considered higher status or that's sort of a, a, a desire right and i do think that it's the kids put a lot of this pressure on themselves and maybe it's because of this feedback loop between you know what they think that their parents are going to be happy or this is what's expected and, well and they get more let's face it they get marketed to like crazy too oh oh yeah, yeah oh yeah absolutely and like in and you know all the it, and it's, if, if you're a high achieving like a high de- academic achiever uh in you know a suburban high school um, there, you know, every high, I think most high schools want to have at least one or two, or at least a, a, their top percentage of their classes go to right. uh, an Ivy league school or the tier ones, right? Or like, you know, go to Amherst or Williams yes. or, yeah. the col- or the William high school Mary things, or, you're right. The right? high, so the high schools themselves schools also make a big deal. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. The, you know, and, and so there's this That's a whole huge ecosystem of this going on. Right. It's and, and like the high the, the school administrators want their school to be because they make their career um the guidance counselors right i mean and and it's depending on what um suburb you grow up in i mean there's a whole ecosystem of of, of test prep and college admissions counseling um because like i was you know i was i went to i went i graduated high school in 2000 so that (laughs) 22 years ago and it was just it was the beginning of this college prep thing or not college prep thing, not the beginning of that, but the um, college admissions counseling, where literally people would come and be like, this is how you're going to you know, strategize how to get into college. 
like we'll help you write your essay and these are the topics that are you know the top schools like to see and the the length the optimal word count and um they had like research on like the um uh, the questions that your interviewer will ask you because Dartmouth had um, a program of, I guess, you know, a certain percentage of, of uh, prospective students would get interviewed by, by alumni. And that was part of the admissions process. Um, so it, it, it's funny to see how it's come because I was sort of like, well, I don't know, at least in my town, one of the first people who had one of these, uh, college admissions counselors and it was it's it's so surreal to say that you did that but you know i mean look what look with these stories you know people doing bribes and you know so yeah i think you're i think there is an overall cultural push you know you know another thing like uh i don't want to understate the the pressure here like one, one way to just feel the the pressure. I mean, I myself have like, if you go visit Princeton's campus and then just go to Rutgers, like, which is right down the street. Yeah. Great college Rutgers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rutgers is a fine university. It's a great place. I mean, um, but the difference, the optical, just the immediate optical difference. Yeah. Between the New Jersey state school and Princeton uh, is just massive. It's yeah. it's a massive difference, and you know what everyone always says when they visit a Harvard or a Princeton is like, oh my god, this place looks just like Hogwarts, and like, <laughs> well, the, yeah, and Dartmouth <laughs> is like the a Platonic ideal of a college campus. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I've never. I've, I've never are, actually been, but I, the I'm quads sure it is, are like yeah. are straight out of movies. I mean, because literally, like, it looks. Non- it defines yeah. what college mm. looks like. Yes, exactly. It is the it, like it's, exactly. It's the platonic ideal of college, and that has a powerful effect. You know, not just on the kids, but the parents and stuff. You know, like yeah, this in a way, it is a, you're buying you're buying something. It is a product, and if I'm going to pay, I want the best. You know, I want the thing that looks like real college, yeah. not this, yeah. not this sort of like knockoff government subsidized thingy. I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? I was going to ask you guys this, right? Like, as, as, as Americans, you know, I mean, you guys went through this, like, a couple of decades ago, decades ago, but having gone through the application process, the pre-application process, process, right? Like, all this shit from your probably sophomore year, yeah. year up in high school, all this marketing, right? Like, you, you said this whole ecosystem, like, all this marketing, all these, marketing, all these schools. Did it feel like, feel like the Kool-Aid was addressing both the students and the parents or just the student? Wait, sorry, you broke up there. Was it the student and parent, or just the student? Yeah. Do you think it was all, all this like you know, Ivy League propaganda was targeting just just the student or the student? I think no, it's the whole parents. family. I think it's the whole family. I think the brochures and stuff are for the kids. Yeah. But the but they encourage okay. you to do a campus visit. Oh and yeah. The campus That's visit the is is to blow the parents away. Yeah. Where they're like, they, mm, you look look I look. I, I know see. it sounds like a lot on the info sheet that we gave you, but have you seen the maiden quad? Have you seen the Asian <laughs> Studies Library? Have you yeah. seen the inside of you know? Have you seen the dining hall? I mean, the yeah. the only thing it's missing is the candles that light themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I do think also they do, um, you know, the, part of part of it for at least I think is certain. So maybe not for the PMC parents, but maybe for sort of more normal middle class and lower middle class parents who are sort of this is like a huge huge deal for them. 
uh, part right. of the brochure material is like, you know, our, our students get jobs in these industries. You know, we can, we have a huge, uh, department of people that will, you know, help your student look for a job or things like that. So uh, that isn't as maybe, um, played up for like the public, but it's definitely part of the pitch if you go to campus, um, at these places. Cause you know, why would you want to go to Dartmouth if like, you're not gonna be able to get a job for some, some people, right? Um, other people, they don't care. And the over, the overwhelming feeling of going to visit a Princeton or whatever is, um, and I felt this, I was just over at Columbia over the weekend. Um, it, it's a feeling of, and all the students were out, you know, it's like COVID's over. So quote over, but like nobody gives a shit about COVID anymore. So like, you know, it's crowded up there in Morningside Heights and you see all the students going around studying, playing ping pong, video games, Hacky sack, partying. do they still do that? <laughs> no, they don't, they don't fuck with that anymore. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, yeah, this is a city campus. Not a rural campus. But the, the, the overall feeling, I would say, and I, it made me think of when I was yeah, – because I went to a state school. I think I had the sort of test scores and grades for yeah. a top flight college, but I just didn't – you know, for whatever reason, I just didn't – get into them but if i got into like a top five school i probably would have gone but i didn't so i was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna go to the state school because if it's not top five i don't really care then i'll just take the better deal i'll take the i got a scholarship i went to the state school yeah. and had a blast good decision but i think it was it was a good decision <laughs> it was a really good decision it was a good decision for me because I, I had the door closed in my face and i was salty enough about it that i wasn't gonna take like a just any old top 25 school, right? So I was yeah. like, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in going to, I won't say the name because I'm going to upset people who went there, but like, um, you know, if it wasn't Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Stanford or whatever, I wasn't interested. I'd rather, I'd be like, at that point, I'll just take the money and go to Maryland and my, my friends are there anyway. Fuck it. I don't really care. So I just got lucky in a way because I had the door slammed in my face and I had no, ch I had no, choice you know i didn't consider like well fuck it there, there's no way i'm going to fucking duke okay i'm sorry for all you dukies <laughs> fuck you okay yeah, yeah fuck you guys. you made a mistake um but but in all in all seriousness it's like yeah i had the door slammed in my face so i didn't go but then i was fine with my decision but when i was there at columbia it did remind me of a nagging feeling i had when i saw my friends go away for or a lot of my friends go away for college go to elite schools uh, you know, go to Harvard or MIT, and these are like my really close friends from high school. And I'm at Maryland, this sort of you know average state school, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. And it did feel at that time like we're going in very different directions. The mm. people over in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, they're going to be the people who matter, and I'm going to be working for them. Was that was this was, was that was sort of gut feeling? Mm -hmm feeling that gut was that envy or was that just like annoyance like what, what was that yeah it was certainly a form of envy and it, i think it was the beginnings of a sort of class or status anxiety right. which i want to say repeat totally didn't pan out that way i'm not right. you know that is not something that i worried <laughs> about uh after my sophomore year uh when i just didn't give a shit anymore and it didn't pan out that way anyway um you talk about being like 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 you know, like vocational wise, work wise, wise, 
salaries, etc. Financially, you're fine after despite not getting into one of these fancy schmancy schools. Well, I just realized that undergrad doesn't really matter all that much. Okay. At least for me, I'm not saying I'm not making this as I'm not saying this as a um, general matter. You know, I'm just saying my experience, which is all I can say, is that undergraduate it it only matters. It like what the the sort of like really um, plain and boring wisdom is just go to a school that you like that you fit in well at, and. You know, Adam, I've heard you're not you're certainly not yeah. the first person or friend I've heard say, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think I was ready to have not even to go to like a really, you know, prestigious school, but also I wasn't ready to go away for college, period. And that, I should have yeah, no, I should have just uh, yeah. gone to Maryland with you, teen. Like pe- my friends have said this because yeah. they 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 got really excited about having a big old, you know, adventure coming mm-hmm. out of high school and they want to get it as far away from mom and dad as possible and go to this party school that everyone's going to be impressed by because you go there and then you <laughs> yep. act like you're an adult and you know hey go to a college campus these days at our age and i'm like they're, they're all just a bunch of fucking little dorks like, yeah. none, of, like the, none of you are cool okay so it, they're just you know there's just an over like i i feel like yeah no that wasn't yeah i think it was it was mainly about the fact that i don't think at 18 I was ready to be on my own. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't ready. And uh, maybe most people, maybe other people are. I don't think most people are. Uh, and it wasn't anything to do with like, I couldn't cut cut it academically. I certainly could. Um, it's just that I didn't have the maturity at 18. But I thought I did. Um, but I realized, you know, a couple of years later, I come back home. I lived at home. I worked. You know, I had a job and I went to college. Um, I wasn't doing like anything too, too uh, uh, demanding. I was working at the Gap, but I was working. I was going to school. I was living at home, and it was it was great. Um, so uh, looking back on it, it was great. Um, but that was the right decision for me. Uh, and uh, I, so no, I wish so no I had, regrets, basically. No, no regrets. I mean, I, I regret the fact that I wasted my dad's money, but, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, other than that, you know, I mean, I think it, it, maybe it had to happen the way it did. I mean, maybe that's just my way of saying, you know, obviously I can't change it, but I think I would have just, I would have gone for something more local, I think, knowing knowing myself and, and what happened Eric. before. I think I would have been like, you know what, screw Dartmouth. I don't need that. Um, and like you said, teen, like it, although it, it didn't, it doesn't have, it didn't have any effect on my life, uh, graduating, um, from, from pace. I don't think like that it, it's held me down in any way, like professionally, um, yeah. at all. Everything you have said about, said about outcomes of having not gone to or stuck at a, a fancy Ivy League college tracks really well because it kind of shows that like. Things work. You're already on that trajectory, like like especially think about these like you know guys and gals who, like like are academically outstanding. They're like they have a lot of like you know extracurriculars, do sports, all this extra stuff, right? Right. All enough to craft this CV to get into a Harvard or a Stanford, and maybe they don't maybe they don't make it in, right? And maybe don't make it in because there's discrimination, discrimination these days. I don't know what it is, but if you but if you are that kind of person, you're gonna be fucking fine. Be fucking fine. 
what I mean? Yeah. Like you're gonna have the the um you know oh, yeah. Yes. The, the, yeah. the the stick to itiveness, whatever the grit, the the entrepreneurialism, the talent, yeah, the talent, and the hardworking, you know, prospects to make it, no matter what, no matter what school or like lower ranked private school you end up going to. So, I'm not super worried. I mean, there's there's obviously some kind of like mental health outcome of like the rest of trying to get into these schools and schools and not making it in. I'm sure that's you know shock shocker for people. Um, but they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be fine. I think most of the time. I mean, I hope that because you know what you said said there is totally true. Because I I think I was pretty devastated when I was in high school for all of like a week <laughs> after all my friends got you know great acceptance letters and I and I didn't. But then I quickly got over it because I was excited because I had loads of friends that I really liked that yeah. were going to Maryland with right, me. Right, right, right. Like, okay, well, I'll just go. To, I just got over it. But uh. I think about the, what the cultural messaging that's out there and there isn't much in the way that these days that's really supporting the idea that you really don't need to go to an elite school to be your best self, mm-hmm. right? It, it, there, is, there is a lot still of that. Pre- and I think documentaries like Varsity Blues uh, or Operation Varsity Blues in a way act to even increase the pressure because I think people are yeah. interested in that story to be like, well, there must be a reason why these parents are going to such lengths for their kids, right? Like if, if man, like if, if, if they're bribing people, I mean, the, the only thing is that they got caught, <laughs> right. you know? Or, or even this New York Times story about the fencing, yeah. it's like th- there must be something to this. Right, it's like where there's smoke, there's fire, right? right? Yeah. Right? yeah. And I, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter at all, but I would say I think... My experience of this is most of the anxiety is about your the the way that going to an elite school uh, affects your own self image, mm-hmm. and that will affect your confidence levels because you're never quite sure if you're actually good or whether you're really missing out on something. And later, I realized, like now, you know, after. You know, having a lot of friends that did go to elite schools and friends that didn't go to elite schools, that you kind of missed out on a certain kind of social scene. And whether you really care about that scene might be one thing. But I just, I, I, I found that the more, the, 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 the sort of like more down to earth um, openness and freedom of like, you know, a big state school where, there really isn't a lot of social pressure. You could just do whatever the mm-hmm. fuck you want. Um, to me, was a lot more. Uh, it was a lot more fun than the sort of like crazy, the the sort of like social pressure that I feel a lot of people who went to Ivy's are still dealing with to an extent. I mean, some people describe these schools as kind of traumatic. I know Jess talks about MIT. Mm, right. Oh yeah, she's had a, a really yeah, bad experience. A horrible experience there. Yeah. MIT in particular. And I've, you know, I and the other thing was like when I was in college, I did go visit a lot of my friends in other schools and I went to MIT. I think I spent a like better part of a summer up in Cambridge just living at the one of my friend at a frat house up there just partying and it, I hated <laughs> it. I fucking hated it. Uh it was like one of the most miserable summers of my life. And just you get a lot of also in the Cambridge area, you just get a lot of like rich kids and there's this i think the 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 class anxiety 
in these places gets really ratcheted up. I remember when I was a law student at Columbia, I dated this girl um, who would tell me stuff like, you know, you and me, like we, we understand each other because we're just like middle class people. But, you know, we're surrounded by all, like all our friends are like super rich. And I'm like, I don't have super rich friends. I'm in the law school. <laughs> like we, we, there's no rich, you know, there's no, law I mean, school's different, right? The grad school is different. It is different. different. It's different. not, I mean, yeah. there are rich kids in law school too, of course, but like sure. it's not as pedigree driven as say the undergrad or some other programs there. But yeah, I mean, it was this whole thing where she was like, you know, I, you know, my parents are just like university professors, but like, you know, this girl, her, this girl, like, her parents own like a chain of hospitals and this guy's literally like royalty in Bhutan and all this shit. And you're, <laughs> and you're like, you know, she was being driven crazy by this. And I think being uh, in an elite environment uh, kind of exasperates that to a degree. And I remember like um, I had this debate with my brother-in-law because he had like at one point wanted to send his uh, my nephews to to his, send his sons to uh, a private school um, you know, the one where like Obama's kids went to Sidwell friends. Oh yeah. And it's very expensive. And I was like, well, what's the point of that? I mean, the local public schools are already pretty, I mean, damn good. I mean, these are really good schools. People pay like a real premium to live in these districts. And he was like, yeah, but you know, they're going to be the kind of people they're going to meet there and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's but the fallacy, right? That's the fallacy. Cause I think that's just yeah. going to drive their inherent class, the, the, the inherent status anxiety of teenagers through the fucking mm-hmm. ceiling if that happens it also doesn't make you elite it doesn't make you elite uh, going to sidwell friends is a symptom of being elite it is not the cause yes exactly you know so exactly but yeah i mean i think as time came he really you know he was like uh no going to a really good public school yeah something, better, something so. i think, think about is um, um there's this weird yeah. like deja moment i've had where my sister went to cambridge you know elite school in the uk right and I remember when she graduated, she graduated how one yeah. of the graduate, graduates in her class was like a princess princess from some country or something like that. Okay. And I was like, I was like, okay, yeah. well, yeah. And <laughs> You'll see I, I kind of like yep. filed that away. And then a few years later, years later my, a friend of um, went to Yale for his MBA and he graduated from there. And he was talking about how in his class, he had some like princess from some, some African country who graduated with him, with him or, or like in a, class before or after or after some like proximity with them and I, and I was I keep getting confused which one it was but then I remember it was both right where these like the crazy elite things happening happening what I think about with those two anecdotes is like those are the kinds of the kinds of stories share at Cambridge and Yale like they talk about that like that's the that's the that's the fun about their time you know going to school there they don't talk about like you know getting to hijinks and having fun with like local friends and stuff at you know that maybe you had it you know in at, at your state school right. It's a different kind of tier of conversation. And to your point, they themselves are not like not like suddenly princes and princes at in at, at first up country right. They just are observers of this no. neat thing happening at the school they go to. So and I think about that a lot. It's you know it's it's not fun. I mean I guess. Is there a form? There, is there, there's a degree of self flattery to be like, oh my right. god, I'm in the same discussion as royalty. But you know, I think fundamental to those conversations is a sense of like, oh my god, I don't really fit in here because there's, I'm just a normie from the. A lot of people, a lot of people would say this after they went to elite schools. Mm-hmm. They finally yeah. realized what wealthy actually meant. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and okay, maybe that is a learning experience in and of itself, but I think it's kind of a socially paralyzing one. I don't think it's necessarily an experience you need to have, especially at that age. No, yeah, not you know, at 18. Whereas, like, for me, like, you know, we, you know, like, <laughs> I remember this one year for the April Fool's joke, or the student newspaper would run, you know, like a joke, okay. uh, like a joke article. And this one year, the joke article was that Chelsea Clinton had chosen to go to the University of Maryland. It was literally a, a joke, the idea that the president's daughter would come to our school. Right, right. Is how deeply ingrained our own sense of, like, me, not mediocre, that's a, that's a harsh word, but just, like, how normal right. we were. Okay. This right. is just a normal school. Like, Pres- Clinton's daughter ain't coming here. You know, right. she's going to Stanford, man. She's not fucking with this place. And... And and in a way, it, 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 I kind of like that about my school, right? Well, there's like, got to be a pride, right? There's got to be at least a, some, well, a some down shamelessness to, a down to be like, we're going to yeah. run that article, right? A down-to-earthness, you know? Yeah, like, we yeah, didn't take ourselves yeah. that seriously. Exactly, and, exactly. And so we weren't That's dominated confidence. by, in a sense, like the the sort of like, um, like, like sort of microcosmic class inferiority mm-hmm. that you would feel in a really elite space like a Stanford. Where if you don't end up be, becoming the famous founder of a Google or another unicorn type company, you're a failure. You know, um, you, you don't. You, I just didn't have to contend with that kind of shit. We're we're just kind of going through normal life, but at the very extreme, especially when I was in college, because that was when the first dot com boom started going mm-hmm. out of Stanford and, and and Harvard too with Facebook. Um, there was, uh, I think, there was a lot of almost like class dilation, you know, like this sort of like this sort of uh, uh, distortion of like the reality field that was going on for people who were too, who were very close to things like Facebook, who were very close, close mm-hmm. to things like YouTube and stuff. And, and um, man, just being out in Silicon Valley at that time, I went to this wedding for a friend who married someone mm-hmm. yeah. who was like one of the PayPal mafia guys. Oh man, not a famous one of them, but you know, rich, and he had rich friends and a lot of you know well-known Silicon Valley people were at this wedding, and I was like, I don't know how people live in this environment because this is just very, like, all you're thinking about is money, 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 because I'm literally talking to this guy, and I know he's worth like forty million bucks, and he's a fucking dork, and he, you know he's like twenty six years old, he's worth forty million dollars, and and he's dating this model. And I'm like, this is absurd. This is, this, I don't know. How do you live life like this, people? I don't, get, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, how do they live life up in Canada? Because I think people would be really interested to know, learn like the difference. Because I think McGill is probably the top college or top undergraduate university in Canada, right? It's in Canada, and, and one, one, one in the world too. If you look at like international rankings and you the rankings, you have T and McGill, mm. and and there is this like kind of stratum or like, like you know differentiation between the elite schools like the better schools and like the bad schools but, but it it's not as it's not as intense as you know it's a bit memeified here um when you start learning about colleges and like you know junior year or uh, grade 11 as we could call it in canada you know you start to catch on to these like funny funny things like if you can go to Brock University, University. If you can go, you can. You know, sorry. If you can walk, you can go to Brock. You can go to Brock. <laughs> we would say disparagingly, about Brock, which is probably a fine undergrad school. You know, if you can use a fork, you can go to York, um, that kind of thing. 
um, for York University, which is a perfect, perfectly fine school in, in the Toronto area. area. Um, and then there is, like, then there is like your team McGill, right? The two kind of like good schools is Queens, you know, there's all these schools here that are pretty decent. Waterloo, the one I went to is like the MIT of, uh, Canada, they get, you know, we get hired into fan companies more frequently than Stanford, Stanford grads and spaces, right? So th that's like, that's kind of wow. up, that's kind of up there with U of T and McGill. But despite that kind of like split between the quote unquote, really good schools and the quote unquote rest of the schools, we don't have the same level of like elite class anxiety that I think people think people in the US and the U, right? Because you guys have like the like, worldwide famous schools, Harvard, Stanford, Oxford, Cambridge, etc. That is, you know, so mythologized, right? And also so hard, so hard to get into too. Um, right. That it, that it, that it, it creates that like, completely completely different people, right? And then you have people like people like royalty, millionaires, kids, billionaires, kids going to these schools and so on. We don't really have that. All that. A lot of Americans actually like to go to Gill, um, because um, one, in it's. It's really good. It's way cheaper than a lot of American, a lot of American private schools, even though you're uh, paying uh, paying in student fee. Um, and uh, two, it's in Montreal, which is a beautiful, fun city to party and party in. And three, the drinking age in Quebec is eighteen, so it's also known as oh, okay, right? So actually, quite a few American expats go to McGill for those reasons. Uh, other schools in Canada too. I think some people go to and a lot of international students from from China, especially, are at these schools. But we we don't like I never applying for these schools and going to, you know, all this stuff. Like I didn't have, have, I had good grade, you know, not, not super stellar, but I didn't, didn't have to go through standardized testing. You know, you don't really write essay, write essays to get in school. You don't really need to worry too much about extracurriculars. Like a lot of that you guys contend with in the, in the U.S. just didn't exist, at least back when I, when I was. How did you, how do you even, how'd you get in? Like how, what is the admissions process like you that. just apply you apply you so you have to apply to minimum three schools it can be anywhere in canada right you, you can apply to american schools but you got to go through the sap and all that extra stuff but right but most because they they don't like like feel like they need to they think it's maybe achievable because it's expensive uh, i think it's wait do you faster. guys take like a standardized test no 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 there's no so there's sat no, equivalent there's no sat wow. no there is no sat equivalent okay so it's just okay. grades it's just grades we don't have a gpa we have score like grades out of 100 my average was eighty nine, um, which I guess pretty pretty good. 80, 89, 89 you said? yeah, out of a hundred. A hundred. Why not? Why not a hundred? So that's like <laughs> why a not B plus. That's a B plus. And, you know, why there are some really smart kids who are in the nineties and stuff, and they also just end up going I, I, to UT. I think eighty. And, I think you know. eighty nine is probably really good for um, a system that is actually meritocratic. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Whereas I'm in the not, US, we're like B. I'm not what, saying. Yeah, I'm B not in the, B you. in the US is actually like in a real sense like a D. Yeah, yeah, B is like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think there's great inflation and in shit here too, right? But like, quicklers, they right. exist, but this, but they don't really scrutinize them. And but dude, it, I'm, we're talking about great inflation. Like, you can get, you can get more than a hundred percent. I okay. In a, yeah, we don't class. have that. And like, I went, we went to high school. I went to you know high school twenty twenty five years ago. Yeah. Like, it's gotten even worse. Like, people are graduating with like five point oh grade points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when people started Come like on. adding That's extra points if it's like a advanced, like an AP class, and they'd be like, "Yeah, this person has a yeah, four this is a four point seven GPA." I'm like, four point seven. It's a four point seven out of four. <laughs> it's like what now? It's a four point oh scale. Yeah, we don't. don't yeah, yeah, What are you and, talking and about? Four point seven. People, yeah, and and the yeah because the AP classes would count like ten percent more. This would be harder, right? Towards your okay. GPA. 
So, um, and, and you, you know, and teachers would start giving, like, you can get extracurricular to add on points to, like, your average. Uh, so, like, uh, you could, if you do this extra credit assignment, they'll give you, like, an Yeah, extra we had bonus assignments. You can't get over 100%. It's just not, doesn't make fucking sense, right? No, but I'm, but I'm just saying, like, you could get 100, you could, you could get 100 for that class, but then you do the, the extra credit assignment and get, like, 102 uh, for the class. I'm like, how is that? What? That doesn't yeah, make any that sense. That doesn't exist. Like, we don't, we don't, we have AP and they're really just for like people who, like they don't count that much more towards, at least, at least back then, towards your application for Canadian colleges. If you were applying to American schools, though, those were the kids who were, kids who were trying to do the essays. But we didn't right. have, that, didn't have that many, right? Like, like AP Calc, Calc, AP History, AP English at my high school. And like that was it. And only like the super nerd, super nerdy kids would, most of them just for the challenge, not because they were trying to get to like a fancy school. So, right. Right. But but anyway, so to get in, you basically, you just, you write in and say, these are the three these I, are the three I want. want. It automatically submits your, your, your grades. It's all in the system. And then you can like fill, fill in some stuff about your extra clears. And some schools might ask for short, like 500 word essay. I know one like did, um, but it didn't seem that important. It is just not this not the same rat rate I'm hearing in the U.S. Right, so like, right? so like all this stuff I'm hearing is completely foreign oh to me. And, and when I say say this stuff to them, they're like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> it's completely foreign to them as well. Oh. I mean, it, and it it was even shocking to me. You're like, "Yeah, so like the college thing started in eleventh grade, which is like junior year." I'm like, "Dude, like this shit was start. This shit starts when like I was I was thinking about where I'm going to That's college when up, I entered ninth grade." <laughs> You're taking pre-SATs and yeah, like grade. that doesn't even cross minds until the 11th. Then you start going. The only marketing is like is like you like you there's can, two things marketed through right. One is this magazine called the McLean's University Rankings, which is a big that the parents buy for their kids. Check out what schools are what. And the second thing is they have like university fairs, universities that come together in a together in a convention convention, and you go check them out. Yeah. And get brochures. Get brochures. That's about it. That was pretty much it. Right. There's not people coming to. They have those yeah, here but too. It sounds like they have like way more than that. It sounds like they have people like come into camp to, 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 yeah. to your high schools to like talk talk to you about schools and stuff and bring you in, bring you in, you know, um, visits to campuses and whatnot. We did a bit of that, but not that much. That much. The, the see the colleges don't even need to like advertise to get you to do these college. Oh yeah, tours. people just go. Like, yeah, this is just a rite of passage. This is just a this is just something yeah. that parents do of a certain. Um, yeah socioeconomic status like it's like okay yeah this is college tour season and everyone's gonna go up 95 <laughs> up and down i-95 and go to these schools no it, it's and it's i see uh, those, it, those that, guys are groups at canadian colleges sometimes a lot, a lot of them are, appear to be international students, students or sometimes Ameri- you know, Americans come across the border out of town folks coming from like smaller like smaller city but it wasn't like a big fucking deal at least from what i recall right yeah I, I remember I when I took my Dartmouth College tour. I was sort of like, you know, I'm gonna be applying here anyway, Dad. Like, why do we even care about what is going on in the classes? And I was supposed to, um, uh, like, shadow or or to like audit some classes because, you know, he was like, we're gonna we're gonna use our time well here, right? And he went and he was doing his own thing because this was this was his alma mater. And I remember I just I just uh like found some random college kids uh you know in the dorm room we were staying in and we just hung out and talked and played video games and drank my dad was so pissed that sounds pretty that sounds pretty, <laughs> that's pretty chill really i had fun though 
<laughs> I had a lot of fun though. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just—it just seems like way, way less insane, you know. I and I, but like, there's still hardworking kids. You still got, still got some Asian kids who work pretty fucking hard here in here in Canada too. I know, like, my mind was like made made the new getting a hundred in every single course course. Um, and like the first kid in the Toronto school, Toronto school board, he didn't like that, right? Um, but he just went to Waterloo with me, and he went to work at you know he went to work at Google afterwards. But like you know other people get into Fangs companies as well. The outcomes right right after you graduate from your, I don't think are that different from most like you know public American colleges and like even some of the private ones. Maybe maybe not the same echelon as the super elite, right but like you can make it into big companies and make big salaries often often it means you gotta reach this yeah. the one big i think i think difference right um if you stay in in, in large canadian city it's much smaller salary in comparison but also sometimes it's cheaper here too depending on the city you're in not all of them so i don't know i don't know just i don't have this level of anxiety about stuff as you guys i, I, I think through. i think because i think it's true in america too where um, look, I mean, going to work for a big corporation and, and, and trying to get a high paying job or whatever is, uh, right, is a right. very middle class thing yep. to do. And, yeah. and so, you know, if you want to have a middle class driving thing, which we all do, right. You, you don't need to go to a, an elite school because like you said, you, you could, you could make the jump to the, to the corporations, uh, from like mm-hmm. a middling state yeah. school. Yeah, it's yeah, no so problem. Well. Just yep. do well. Just do well, yeah, exactly. and and study the right thing. You know, I mean, University of Maryland probably has a much better engineering and computer science program overall than like a Harvard, not an MIT, but certainly better than like a Harvard, right? Like, I would, yeah, I would say that's probably true. Or we had a very strong comp sci thing. In fact, I think one of the Google founders went to Maryland. I think Sergey Brin did his undergrad at Maryland. So it's it's possible to do that, but I think what's harder is if you want to move into like the more quote prestige industries. Like you want to like write in Hollywood, or you want to like yeah. do you yeah. know be do like a cultural type thing. Then I think that's where the elite schools matter. But you know, for most people, I don't think that's what they're really after. And I think and I think that you do have this like tendency to get sidetracked into that. Where and I saw this with like like I had a friend at at um, at Columbia who. I had a few friends who sort of like lost their way in terms of like knowing who they were in actuality, and, you know, versus mm. getting caught up in sort of like the social, um, sort of the social pressures uh, because of who their friends were, you know, and and you know suddenly they were, you know, maybe lost a little bit of sight as to what they really wanted to do. I mean, they found you know. I'm just saying for those years in college, anyway. Yeah. Um, to, to be fair, the, to be one of the person I remember from my high school, high school who um, kind of became a bitch after going to university <laughs> yeah. went uh, went to McGill. Uh, so okay. well, the, the uh, Harvard of Canada. The Canada. So, so maybe 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 that does track well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, it's it doesn't it doesn't totally it's not totally meaningless. Um, and I will admit that to this day, I think um, I've noticed people. It stands out much more to people that I went to uh, Columbia than that I went to Maryland. People never say anything about, oh, yeah, he's the guy. But, like, you know, um, like, sort of like my, like uh, you know, my parents' friends or, like, my 
wife's family or whatever, they, they kind of put that label on you. Mm-hmm. And they don't choose the lesser school. They always choose the better school to put on you. Right. Um, and so, you know, whether, whether it's, uh, you know, for your undergrad, you know, and it's funny because I think it goes the other way. Right. Like I actually know a guy who did the opposite. He went to Columbia for undergrad and then went to Maryland for med school. No one ever says, oh, that's the guy that went to Maryland Med. They're, they say that's the guy, that's the Columbia guy. Yeah, that's for me too. Um, I, I went to, you know, famous-ish Waterloo for my undergrad, but in my master's, I went to an art school. <laughs> no one ever talks about the art school. The art school, they talk about, because uh, <laughs> yeah. right? this one that got you the same job. So I think, that's, I think that's true across the board. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not conscious and aware of that, and that if I tell someone that, yeah, I, I try to avoid the topic altogether because I don't, I don't sure. really. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes out, I mean, I, I, I will say that uh, it, it's probably more meaningful for me to say, oh, yeah, I went to Columbia for law school than it is I went to Maryland for undergrad because Maryland doesn't mean anything to anybody. They don't know what that means. You know, so it's just like random information I'm giving. It's of no. It's yeah, like to be fair, to be to fair you're a lawyer. I went to Churchill you're High School. You're a lawyer, right? So, like, the school, you know, yeah. law school seems to matter more in the case of your, your vocation, at least. It does. Actually, let, let me ask Adam that. Like, do you, when yeah. when you meet people, I'm I'm guessing that if you talk about where you guys went to school, they'll probably learn that you went to Dartmouth before they learn that you went to Pace, right? I would think. Yeah, I mean, I, hardly anyone talks about that kind of stuff anymore um, at, at our at our age. But yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, they they I'll say I went to Dartmouth first, and I and I graduated from Pace, and then I I often sometimes I just even try to not even mention that type of transition because then I have to talk about it and and I, I've gotten tired of having to try to explain myself because some pe- people will be like think that's crazy right they're like why would you do that um but yeah yeah I mean I I, I get what you're saying team in that yeah no one no one's gonna remember that I graduated from Pace they're gonna they're gonna just remember the name Dartmouth and okay, that's it okay but here's the thing the thing is this we're just talking about undergrad yeah. That you shouldn't name whore for undergrad, but when it comes to grad school, yeah, you got to name whore. <laughs> Meaning, like, oh, for sure, like you should be very unabashed about wanting to go to the absolute best name that you can achieve when it comes to the rankings. If you're going to law school or medical school and business school, yes. I'm sure, because it does matter. It really even for employment or for, um, it or for like what? Yes, employment for for, okay, for okay. everything. I mean, it just makes yeah, it makes it so much easier if you go to a top five law school than if you go to top twenty five versus you go to one that's not in the top twenty five. Yeah, um, for graduate school. It, it's I'm not still again. Really I'm not saying matter. that it can't. It won't. That you can't. There's things that you can't do. Um, but you know, go to any major law firm. Uh, go to their website and look up where the the associates and partners went to law school. Uh, go look at you know federal you know look up the bios of like mm. federal judges, Supreme okay. Court judges, see where they went to law school. So I would say that my experience is undergrad in America. Um, go to the place where you're going to get a really good education as of where your Mature, your maturity level and matches your it, preferences yeah. <laughs> matches the school. You don't. You shouldn't name whore as an undergrad because it's. I, yeah, I think it's I a lifestyle product. I think undergrad is a lifestyle product because you know if you're going to learn computer science, like you know, there's any number of schools that have great comp sci programs that aren't that hard to get into. You know, or or, or whatever it is, you want to be like a pre med. 
you know, there's tons of schools. Org, org chemist, orgo chemistry is going to be equally hard in, at all of them. Okay. Um, and it, it really doesn't matter. And the grad schools don't really handicap you based on where you went to undergrad, as far as I know. Uh, just get really good grades and do well on the tests. But mm-hmm. this whole, like, you know, name doesn't matter thing, that's just for undergrad, in my opinion. For grad school, professional school, you got a name whore. Uh, is my experience, and I and I think you need to be a little bit shameless. So that's, about that's that law and medicine, the two professions. Law, medicine. I think okay. MBA yeah, programs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the ROI to, on go the MBA, top flight yeah. MBA is much if you higher. Go to the MBA route. Yeah. And and this is nothing to do with like yeah. what you learn. At it's these strictly programs. the name you're saying. Um, well, I think it'll be a little bit more at like a med school. But um, well, there's some pretty special. quacky med schools and law schools yeah. out there too. So yeah, yeah. I, it is a quality issue too. Well, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, there's a quality issue yeah. as well. Uh, uh, for business school, I wouldn't say there is. I mean, Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know much about business school. But uh, you know, even even grad programs like PhD programs, I, I would say, you know, it re- really does matter. Though I would say, from what I understand, the master's programs are largely um, kind of scammy. So a lot of people will claim to have gone, be, yeah. they've gone to Harvard or they've gone to, you know, I know Columbia has a NYU here in New York. You know, they have shitloads of master programs, masters in data science and all that stuff. And they're all like kind of phony. Stanford does a lot of this. And um, they're, they're, a good, they're, they're a good cash mm-hmm. cow for the school because everyone pays full price and they're like one-year programs or whatever. So you're just in and out. And they're trendy, you know. It's always like a master's in, it's always a data science. It's some trendy thing, uh, always like tech appurtenant, but it's not quite tech. It's not mm, quite MBA. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite hard tech. It's something in between, and it costs a lot of money. And there's no financial aid. Programs. Yeah. And um, yeah, but it's a uh, but it's a Columbia yeah, administered program programs, or something. Yeah. All the universities are getting in on this, and I heard master beware. I be a be wary. I think of the masters complex. Because that I think is there's a there's a there's a predatory aspect to a lot of that stuff in my opinion, and I think they're they're extending their reach a little bit. Um, and the trade off is: look, you pay a shitload of money, and you get to say technically that you did go to Stanford or you did get to go to Columbia or Harvard or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. it's like almost this like, like side master like program that no one's right? ever heard of, and it's at a different campus. It's not on the main campus. It's yeah, like downtown yeah. or some shit. You know, like yeah, you know. There, there so. are. I mean, there. I would say though that there probably are still some more uh, legitimate or, um, pers- uh, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, established master's programs yes. at all these schools yeah. too. Like a, ma- like a master's sense. of accounting program is probably legit. Yeah, but then again, it's a master's of accounting program. Like you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, <laughs> a, it's the trendy sexy. shit. It's the trendy yeah. shit that you got to worry about. Right. 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 But, let me let me ask a, a fun question. Maybe we can end on this one. Um, is there is there a Asian party school in America, like a known Asian Asian party school? What do you mean? Yeah, like a school people school people go to that's like has a high has a population and is known to yeah. be a party school. school. I would say either UCLA or Berkeley. I'd probably UCLA yeah. more. Yeah, I would say anything. Yeah, the the. California schools. They, yeah, anyway. they I think UCLA. My, I don't know much about the UCs, but I know UCLA has a very prime location, whereas Berkeley is off in Berkeley. You know, um, UCLA is like right in prime LA. Berkeley seems kind of nerdy to me. I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah, Ber- Ber- um, Berkeley's a little bit East Coast-ish cloister I mean, type. Uh, you know, uh, USC, maybe? USC? Yeah. Um, USC. USC, I'm just looking here. It's uh, tw- almost 19% Asian. Okay. And they have the a University rep- of Spoiled Children. <laughs> yes, right. But they're they got a, definitely they got, a party school. They're a party school? I mean, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. We, we have a very well-known, well-known Asian party school. In uh, let me guess. Let me guess. UBC? No, no, no I don't. I don't think so. No, they're they're okay. pretty ac- academic. They're like up there with U of T McGill, like for academics. Okay, what is it? Um, UWO, University of Western Ontario, which is located London, huh. Ontario, two hours out of Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. All the, all, I joke that I joke that all the go there. <laughs> That's what it's known. That all the what? The uh, hot sorry. Asians go there. All the hot. Oh Asians really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. At UWO. UWO. That's the one. Yep. Yep. Oh, interesting. They're close to uwu, right? So, <laughs> is that is that is that like is that like Canadian Asians or is that a lot of international students or what? Canadian Asians, like two G, two G kids. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then okay. they all come to Toronto to to, to find finance, tech, marketing, whatever, and then they they still party here in Canada or in Toronto. So so I never that, heard. I, I never even heard of this place. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a good school. It's just like again, like it's you know, it's it's in the good school range. It's not in the the you know, if you can walk, you can go to Brock range. Uh, but uh, but it's also known for, known for being a big city school. They have a lot of Asians. So yeah, yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe UCLA is a better answer because they're thirty three percent. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. And there's it's. It, I think it has higher a, than white. Higher wow. than white. UCLA. Yeah. Really? There's more Asians at UCLA than white. Yeah. So freshmen entering freshmen. That's twenty five percent white. Thirty three percent Asian. Wait. UCLA is only twenty five percent white. Yeah. That's. I'm awesome. looking at their website right now. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. We are, no wonder they're free- ta- we're ta- we're talking about grade inflation. Regrets, the freshman weighted GPA medi- middle fifty percent range is four point three six to four point six eight. Out of four, it's not out of five. I got a seventeen twenty. You know when people, you know you people are lying when they um on the SAT when they um get when the last digit isn't zero. Right, You're right. Like, oh, yeah, I got a 1367. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no such, there's, there's no such thing. Yeah, yeah, I can't get it's that. It's a 1360 bro. or a 1370. There's no 1367. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> stop lying. No squiggly numbers at the end. Yeah, okay. I, I got a one. I got a 1365. Uh, no, you didn't. Yeah, and like, yeah. So it, it's 33% Asian at UCLA. Wow, yeah. and UCLA has uh-huh. definitely got. I mean, they're known for having attractive, school, but attractive it's a, Asian yeah. people. Yeah, I, I mean, say. it's in LA. They're, it's I mean. known for having attractive people. Period. Yeah. Um, fourteen um, percent admit rate. That's lower than I, that's lower than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I almost jokingly want to say Dartmouth is known as the Asian party school just because the Asians party fucking harder than oh, anyone well, else at yeah. that school. Okay. And Dartmouth, Dartmouth is a fucking party school. All right. I mean, I think every school in like America is a party school, but Dartmouth has like the purest Greek culture. Uh, really? At like, you know, at the right, top. Here's, here's a dumb question: Where the fuck is Dartmouth? <laughs> where it's is in New it? Hampshire. New, it's in Hanover, New Hampshire. Uh, th- the thing is, I don't really know where New Hampshire is. Yeah, Let me you know. It's there, like next, <laughs> it's I, next I roughly, to Vermont. I roughly know where New Hampshire is. It's but. next to Vermont. Okay. Jesus. Okay. Okay. It's I far see. up, man. Dude, this it's is far, far up. up, man. This is like Dude, it's, well it's north far of Boston. Up. Wow. It's, we are the north. <laughs> there is nothing up there. Holy shit. Well, it's the school, dude. It's it. That's it. I mean, oh, wow. Dartmouth owns like 90% of the town. I mean, a huge oh. part of the town. No wonder I've never been there. It's too fucking far. 
No one. No why would you want to go up there to visit? Well, no I did a whole campus visit thing. I visited. Well, yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. yeah. But and you know, I, was I wasn't impressed by any of it. The funny thing is. Uh, um, I thought like we visited Harvard, and I was like, "Man, this place kind of sucks." Harvard's kinda Harvard Harvard sucks. Yeah. Um, I visited Columbia is nicer as a campus. Yeah, than I thought it was okay. For sure. Um, I never really liked New York. But I always thought New York was kind of grungy. NYU, um, mm. which is funny because I've been here for like 20, 20 plus years. Um, NYU. If you go to NYU, you're like, where is it? Yeah. You're like, yeah, just, NYU is not like what, its what, own what, yeah. um, campus. It's like it's a bunch of buildings. Spread, it's just yeah, a bunch of buildings. Out. You, There's the, no like the, fence or anything. The closest thing that you could call its campus is Washington Square Park, but that's not NYU. That's, that's, not, just, that's a, just a city. That's just the city's park, and it's <laughs> yeah. a, and it's a horrible park. Um, yeah, just horrible, horrible. And then I went uh, with my friend. It's nice, but it's it looks nice, but yeah, I it's think not a nice park. Yeah, I mean it looks nice, but it's not nice. That's what I mean. It looks nice, yeah. but I think it's uh, you don't want to spend time there. Yeah, you don't want to be there past five. No. Uh, but then I went to like visit the University of Maryland campus one time with my friend for like a school project. It was really the first time that I visited, like, to, to really mm-hmm. see it. My sister had gone there, and I was like, this is a pretty fucking nice campus. Mm-hmm. You know? It was, like, better than I thought. It's not, like, yeah. It's not it's not Hogwarts. But, <laughs> you know, I was like, this is fine. This is plenty fine. Because, like, everyone was talking shit about this school because my school was such a – my high school was such a gunner school. And yeah. going yeah. to Maryland was seen as, like, pure safety. And I show up. I'm like, this place is pretty fucking nice. What are you guys talking about? I don't think I could rock straight A's here. Here's the point. If you can't rock straight A's at that school, there's enough school there for you. Right? Like if you yeah. you see what I'm saying, if you're not just gonna kill it there, <laughs> if you've got to struggle a little bit, there's enough school there for you. And I took yeah. plenty of hard ass classes and had great professors and, and the other thing with like going to like a state school is like if you just try those professors fucking love you because like 80% of the people there aren't serious. You, oh, you know, definitely. It's so easy to stand out. And Definitely. So you know they're going to write you great recommendations. It's. Uh, um, I, I remember. I, I remember. Um, I had a professor who was, he was an old, old com- like computer science guy. Like he was literally there. He he invented the token ring. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I remember I took a couple of his classes and and I, I asked for his recommendation and he looks me dead in the face, just dead in the eyes, and he's like, "I'll write you this recommendation." I think you're very smart, but you are a big fish in a very small pond. <laughs> and he was just like, you could have done better. I'm like, hey, whatever. Give me my recommendation. But, you know. Sorry, where was this? At Pace? Or? At Pace, At yeah. Pace, yeah. He, he, was, he was calling me yeah, out. Ego boost. <laughs> mm-hmm. But whatever. Like, I, I learned a lot. You know, I mean, I don't think I could have gotten that much attention and, you know, hands-on, like, you know, experience with someone of that level. If I had stayed at Dartmouth and been in their computer science department, like I just wouldn't have. So I thought I made the right decision, but he called me out. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It was hilarious. I still remember to this day because he, he just he, he looked me dead in the face, like, you know, just like really close. Yeah. But all right. Um, so that's our that's our exegesis on go to an Ivy school versus going to a plebe school. Go to I a plebe school. Go to a plebe school, save the money, and then and then be a name whore for your <laughs> graduate program. Gun the, gun the graduate stuff for sure. That's my personal <laughs> bit of advice, right? And then go and have a great career, and then 10 years into it, realize that's not really what you want to do and have an existential crisis. That's the that way to nice. go. You see what I'm saying? Those are the steps. Those are the steps. And then you'll have, a, you'll have the money, hopefully, to have a really fun midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
Anyway. All right. Uh, last thoughts, anyone? Or should we call it there? <laughs> All right. It's fun talk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is your... <laughs> we're, we're like so... I'm sorry, listeners. We're very low effort these days, but we are having fun. Just uh, shooting the shit. Um, all right. That's your episode for this week. Uh, stick around and we'll have another episode next week. And we will definitely try to be uh, on the on the on the um, on time with the with the bonus this week for our patrons. So. All right. See y'all. Bye, everyone. Bye.